Welcome to Conference Coverage, presented by ReachMD Radio on XM160 and powered by Health Day, featuring the latest clinical information and research findings from the 33rd Annual San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, presented by the Cancer Therapy and Research Center, the American Association for Cancer Research, and the Baylor College of Medicine, held December 8th through the 12th. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. And I'm Sue Berg. This year's symposium attracted approximately 9,000 participants with presentations focusing on the risk of breast with presentations focusing on the risk of breast cancer and hormone therapy, lack of mammogram screening, combination therapy for hormone receptor positive breast cancer, and predictors of breast cancer outcomes. In one study, German breast group researchers found that pregnant women with breast cancer undergoing treatment with chemotherapy do not appear to be harming their fetus compared to the harm caused by early delivery. Investigators collected data from over 300 pregnant women with various subtypes of breast cancer and varying stages of the disease upon diagnosis. 23% had been diagnosed with breast cancer in the first trimester, 42% in the second, and 36% in the third. Investigators found outcomes were similar for pregnant women who received chemotherapy and those who did not receive chemotherapy during pregnancy. Many of the adverse events among babies were due to preterm delivery or genetic defects unrelated to chemotherapy. Investigators also found that women who did not get chemotherapy during pregnancy tended to deliver earlier as compared to women who received chemotherapy during pregnancy. In terms of disease-free survival, they found no difference between those who did and those who did not receive chemotherapy during pregnancy. Investigators said early delivery does not appear to be warranted in order to start chemotherapy after pregnancy, and patients with breast cancer during pregnancy should be treated as closely as possible to standards for breast cancer patients who are not pregnant. The aromatase inhibitor, or A1 eximestane, may provide another treatment option for postmenopausal women with hormone receptor-positive early-stage breast cancer. Investigators compared the efficacy and safety of the steroidal irreversible A1 eximestane and the non-steroidal reversible A1 anastrozole among over 75,000 women from the United States, Canada, and Europe. The results of the study showed that the effectiveness of the two drugs in terms of reducing the risk of all breast cancer recurrences was essentially equal. They also found similar results for overall survival and for the development of internal metastases or stage 4 breast cancer. Fewer adverse outcomes were found to be associated with eximestane compared to anastrozole. These side effects included new-onset osteoporosis, hypercholesterolemia, and hypertriglyceridemia. Overall, the investigators concluded that eximestane was equally effective to anastrozole with a more favorable side effect profile, providing a new option for patients with breast cancer. A Phase three study conducted by the German Breast Group showed that bevacizumab does not appear to improve pathological complete response, or PCR, in patients with early human epidermal growth factor receptor 2 negative breast cancer in the neoadjuvant setting. The investigators evaluated whether adding bevacizumab to treatment with four cycles of epirubicin and cyclophosphamide, followed by four cycles of docetaxel, improved the rate of PCR. Between May 2007 and June 2010, over 900 patients were assigned to chemotherapy treatment with epirubicin and cyclophosphamide, followed by docetaxel, while about the same number of patients were assigned to chemotherapy treatment with epirubicin and cyclophosphamide, followed by docetaxel plus bevacizumab. 
The researchers found that the addition of bevacizumab to neoadjuvant chemotherapy did not increase the PCR rate significantly. The tolerability and compliance of bevacizumab with epirubicin and cyclophosphamide, followed by docetaxel, was acceptable with no new safety concerns. The effect of bevacizumab may be restricted to triple-negative breast cancer patients. However, the researchers noted that other studies evaluating long-term survival may need to be completed prior to making any definite conclusions. Three studies presented at the meeting showed that circulating tumor cells, or CTCs, may serve as biomarkers to predict outcomes and determine treatment among patients with early-stage or metastatic breast cancer. In one study, researchers evaluated 267 patients with metastatic breast cancer who were receiving first-line chemotherapy and had undergone assessment for three tumor markers, CA15.3, CEA, and LDH. The patients were followed for a median of 16 months. Investigators found that circulating tumor cells were an independent prognostic marker of metastatic breast cancer at first-line chemotherapy, with persistence of high levels of CTCs throughout treatment being associated with poor outcomes. In another study, researchers found that patients with metastatic breast cancer and with circulating tumor cells prior to or after high-dose chemotherapy and autologous stem cell transplantation experienced poor outcomes. The 21 patients included in this study were younger women, average age 44, diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer and offered high-dose chemotherapy followed by stem cell transplantation. Before chemotherapy, patients were given a growth factor treatment to recruit hematopoietic progenitor cells from bone marrow. Circulating tumor cells were found in six patients before transplant and in nine patients one month after transplant. Researchers determined that more than five CTCs at baseline was associated with shorter overall survival, while five or more CTCs after transplant was linked to a shorter relapse-free survival and shorter overall survival. And a third trial found that the presence of circulating tumor cells in patients with early-stage breast cancer increased the risk of early breast cancer recurrence and death. Patients with five or more CTCs had a worse prognosis. Investigators said that CTCs found in this study were likely evidence that a tumor was shedding breast cancer cells. Survival of these CTCs after chemotherapy further suggests that they are cancer stem cells. 21.5% of patients in this study had one or more CTCs in their blood before the start of adjuvant therapy. These patients were more frequently node positive, but no other link could be made with tumor size, grade, or HER2 status. Breast cancer reoccurred in 114 patients, and 66 patients died. Patients with one to four CTCs had an 88% increased risk of early breast cancer recurrence, and a 91% increased risk of death from breast cancer. The anti-depression drug duloxetine, brand name Cymbalta, appears to reduce joint and muscle pain in breast cancer patients commonly associated with the use of aromatase inhibitors. In an open-label Phase II study, researchers evaluated 29 postmenopausal women with breast cancer who developed new or worsening pain after treatment with an aromatase inhibitor for at least two weeks. Patients were treated with 60 milligrams of duloxetine daily for eight weeks, with the option of increasing to twice daily. Investigators found that 21 of the 29 patients achieved at least a 30% decrease in average pain, and 18 patients of the 23 who completed protocol-directed treatment continued duloxetine.
Mean percent reduction in average pain severity was about 61%. About 20% of patients discontinued the drug due to toxicity. Investigators said that since women typically take aromatase inhibitors for five years, it is important that the side effects not overly interfere too much with their quality of life, or they will be less likely to continue taking the medicine, which may lead to a greater chance of breast cancer recurrence. A polymorphic variant in human histone deacetylase 9, or HDAC9, appears to be associated with an earlier onset of estrogen receptor-positive breast cancer. And another variant may be associated with recurrence of progesterone receptor-positive disease. Researchers at the New Jersey Robert Wood Johnson Medical School evaluated the association of human HDAC9 single nucleotide polymorphisms with age of onset and recurrence of breast cancer in a cohort of 1,100 patients enrolled prospectively from 2004 to 2009. In patients with ER-positive breast cancer, the investigators found that those with homozygous variant genotype of HDAC9 develop breast cancer at an earlier age than controls, at 49.3 years versus 54.1 years, respectively. However, in patients with ER-negative breast cancer, those with the homozygous variant develop breast cancer at a later age than controls, at 53.7 years versus 48 years, respectively. Investigators said these genetic variants in the HDAC9 gene could ultimately affect signaling through estrogen receptors and possibly lead to alterations in the clinical features of breast cancer. Information on how genetics specifically alter age of diagnosis and the natural biology of breast cancer could help clinicians better tailor treatment options in the future. Three studies appear to show that novel combinations of targeted therapies improve outcomes among patients with HER2-positive breast cancer. Researchers of one study evaluated the efficacy of pertuzumab in combination with trastuzumab with or without chemotherapy among 417 women with HER2-positive breast cancer, finding that the addition of pertuzumab and trastuzumab to docetaxel improved anti-tumor activity. In another study, Researchers reported that, among patients with HER2-positive breast cancers, the combination of lapitinib, trastuzumab, and paclitaxel significantly improved tumor response rates compared with either agent alone. Researchers said further research is ongoing, but these results indicate they are on the right track. Adjuvant use of zoledronic acid used to prevent orthopedic complications during cancer treatment does not appear to improve survival time for women with breast cancer. Investigators reported they found no difference in disease-free survival in overall population when over 3,000 patients with stage 2 or 3 breast cancer were randomized to standard therapy or standard therapy plus zoledronic acid. However, they found a 29% overall improvement in overall survival among 100 patients who were five years postmenopause, warranting further study in this population. Investigators also identified a small risk of osteonecrosis of the jaw, which they noted will likely dissuade clinicians from giving adjuvant bisphosphonates on a routine basis to younger women taking adjuvant chemotherapy. However, investigators said these results do not impact the current usage of zoledronic acid for the treatment of metastatic bone disease across a broad range of cancers. In another study comparing tamoxifen with aromatase inhibitors in postmenopausal women with early-stage breast cancer, patients who underwent treatment with aromatase inhibitors appeared to have a 20% greater risk of developing cardiovascular disease and a 48% higher risk of fractures. 
Investigators also found the risk of serious adverse events was similar among those who were initially treated with aromatase inhibitors and those who switched to aromatase inhibitors after treatment with tamoxifen. Analysis in 2002 of the Women's Health Initiative evaluation of estrogen therapy plus progestin resulted in the recommendation that women not take the therapy. But researchers at this year's symposium conducted a retrospective review of Women's Health Initiative data, evaluating women who had undergone hysterectomies and took estrogen alone compared to women who received estrogen plus progestin. Investigators found that women without a strong family history of breast cancer who received estrogen alone had a significantly reduced incidence of breast cancer, and that 75% of women without benign disease before trial enrollment had a reduced risk of breast cancer. Investigators said their findings should enhance considerations for an early approval of HRT based on estrogen alone for the majority of women suffering with menopausal symptoms, and this may also galvanize new research on HRT to define optimum regimens for individual women. A progressive weightlifting program does not appear to increase the incidence of breast cancer-related lymphedema in breast cancer survivors. Current guidelines advise breast cancer survivors without lymphedema against upper body exercise. Of 134 breast cancer survivors involved in this study, 17% of women randomized to no exercise developed lymphedema over the course of the year. Only 11% of the women who engaged in a slowly progressive weightlifting program developed the condition. And among the women who had five or more lymph nodes removed, 22% of the non-exercising group developed lymphedema, while only 7% of the women who lifted weights did. And finally, a review of medical claims between 2006 and 2009 reveals that only 50% of eligible women in the United States get a yearly mammogram, even if they have the insurance to pay for the procedure. The women were insured by Medco Health Solutions, and the investigators were employed by the same company. They found that only half of women aged 40 to 85 years in any given year had a medical claim for a mammogram, and only 60% of women had two or more mammograms over the four-year study period. The authors write that additional efforts are needed to reach the National Healthy People 2010 goal of at least 70% of women aged 40 years and older having a mammogram in the past two years. Thank you for listening to conference coverage from the 33rd Annual San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, presented by the Cancer Therapy and Research Center, the American Association for Cancer Research, and the Baylor College of Medicine, held December 8th through the 12th. Conference coverage is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD, and powered by Health Day 2010-2011.